This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. New York Hardcore Kings Madball released their upcoming new album, For the Cause, on June 15, 2018, via Nuclear Blast. For the Cause was co-produced by Tim Armstrong of Rancid, who is also featured on the album. Also guessing on the album is the legendary rapper, actor, frontman, Ice-T, of body count. Singer Freddie Christian comments this record accurately defines the current state of our band, our sound, our state of mind, our ambitions, our flaws, and our attitude. Visit NuclearBlast.com for For the Cause on cassette, vinyl, CD, and t-shirt bundle. The greatest rock and roll band in the world is here to take care of your ass. From the geniuses behind Kiss Toilet Seats. Lick it up, Kiss Toilet Wipes. Have the demon tongue your hairy ass after a stinking sushi shit. Lick it up! Gene Simmons approved pictures and two-ply for the sensitive asshole. Lick it up! I want to rock and roll all night and make sure I got something to wipe my ass with. Why not two-ply, Gene Simmons? Lick it up toilet paper. Available in a two-pack with Starchild Home Enema. Lick, Lick it, up, it up, kiss, kiss toilet, toilet wipes. wipes. Fuck bidet. Fuck a bidet. Fuck bidet. Fuck bidet. If you're gonna do anything, why not sit on my face? <laughs> it's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, how's everybody doing? It is I, your host, uh, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Gooch Han, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. And no one else. <laughs> Jocelyn Sharp could not make it today, guys, but uh, still a strong part of the team. Make sure you follow her, Jocelyn Sharp, uh, at Jocelyn Sharp on all her Instagram and Twitter yes. and Facebook. I could do Jocelyn's voice. I'll be like, hey, it's me. Hey guys, what's up? I mean, uh, if you close your eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, this week, guys, got an interview with Ben Ward of Orange Goblin. Um, so excited. Their new record after four years um, of listening to Back to the Abyss for so long. The Wolf Bites Back. It is out Friday, guys. This Friday, June 15th. Make sure you pre-order your copy. Super excited about the record. Uh, and with that, guys, before we jump into that interview, we want to talk about the Metal Sucks news. The main news story that uh, me, Brandon, and Jocelyn felt like talking about this week is that the metal sucks officially uh they put out an editorial you mean metal sucks.net metal sucks.net yes yes the website we worked for correct okay that uh, this is the final time you will read about as a lay dying on metal sucks now their reasons are when there's th- there are situations that happen you have to obviously pick a side you know they pick the side now um which is not supporting this band because of Tim Lambesis, which makes sense on many, many levels. But I want everybody to know out there who combats that thing real quick before me and Brandon get into our discussion about it is that this is a very bold move, and it's a great move by Vincent Axel. I'll tell you why. Because the money that is being lost on all the posts, this is potentially, this reu- reu- reunion with Asley Dine is potentially the biggest metal story of 2018. There's going to be so many posts from the first live show to the record to, hey, it's the original guys back together yeah. that are going to to garner so much traffic. To the autopsy. Yeah, to the, to the autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> so much traffic. And they're walking away from that because they've picked a side that is a representative of how we feel 
or how they feel, you know, metal should be. So basically, you know? they're actually doing. Wait, wait. Are you ta- are you saying that a media outlet is actually doing the right thing? Correct. That for the genre. You're fake news. I, I know I'm fake news right now, but this is what I didn't I didn't know anything about this when they posted the story. Obviously, so that's what's happening here. They are not going to support someone that tried hurts to kill. This, yes that hurts this scene. <laughs> And that's, that's it's not even the fact that trying, it's not even the fact that they're not gonna they're not gonna support someone that hurts the metal scene. They're not supporting someone that tried to kill their wife. I understand that, but you and have, then the other guys that are just kind of like, damn, I'm not doing anything else. Let's get the old band back together. It's like, dude, I, I, this isn't like a Guns and Roses thing where no. it's like, well, you put your name on the merch sales. What the fuck, Axel? Like, no, dude, this is so different. You know what I mean? This is Axel Rose murdering Stephanie Seymour mm-hmm. and then Slash going, man, you know what? I'm not really a big fan of working with Miles Kennedy. <laughs> it's, mm. it's, it's similar. Axel Rose just can't physically do it. He has to hire someone. Yes. So anyways, but let's, let's just break down the three sides of this whole situation here. So obviously if you pick a side, the first side would be, Hey, I'm forgiving Tim and as I lay dying and I'm supporting him, which a lot of people have shown that they are going to, uh, they're a Christian. They started off a Christian metal band to a lot of support to a lot of surprise. I think for a lot of people, a lot of people are very much like, yay. Okay. That's, that's the first side, which is like, Hey, I can't wait for the new as I lay dying music. You know, he's so let's debate that. So here's the deal. So you're going to support the band. Obviously, you're a huge fan of that band. Before we say before we say you're going to support the band, let's just say you're going to support Tim Lambesis. You're going to support Tim because we're going to get to the band part in a second. Okay, you're going to support Tim Lambesis. Obviously, he wrote some lyrics that might have gotten you through some hard times. Let's just say, okay. And let's not forget, we got to we have to add in the Christian angle Mm -hmm. because it's a you know that whole thing is all about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. You know, and I don't know. Like you're, you're allowed. I, I'm to trying because, uh, yeah. and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, granted, here's me. This is me grasping for straws, presenting the worst argument I could possibly because I'm so vehemently against this. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Like, like right now, I already I brought up two reasons, and the people listening going, "This guy sounds like a fucking moron." Forgiving him and 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 supporting him um, without really any reason besides like the music that you love isn't a, a good argument to a lot of people because you're separating something that shouldn't be separated, right? The songs, like you said, were made by five people, you know, but in order to support Tim Lambesis, you are supporting someone who, in a way, is a killer. Yes. I, I, and that's, it's like, he's I don't a second, s- he's, he's a secondhand killer. He, he's, he's too dumb to kill someone, but wanted to. Right. right. So we, we'll just call him, you know, at that. So, no, I'm not saying I haven't wished for people to die, but actually hiring someone to do it is much worse. Let me explain. If Tim Lambesis wished his wife died, I would still support as Dying. Okay, okay? There, that's good. Okay. If he wished it. Exactly. What if he prayed for his wife to die? Same thing. See, that's the same thing. The <laughs> <laughs> wish prayer, Aladdin's lamp, Jesus. We can talk about it, but either way. Yeah, you never action, had a friend like me the that actually works there. for Jeannie and Jesus. So, um, and, and to pick that side, to, to forgive Tim, you're going to have to break down a lot of things and have it make sense. You can, you can go like, well, he was a drug addict with the steroids. Steroids do 
really mess up with someone's someone's mind if they take a certain amount. Yes. I mean, all that stuff yes. is very legit. Okay. I mean, as you could see, Pete, I'm jacked. I I do sh- I do roids all the time. We yeah yeah I, I can I actually can I don't need the roids to get angry. You guys all heard the Antifa episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you were on roids, you would kill your wife and not hire anybody <laughs> over nothing. What are you kidding me, man? Totally, Come on, I'm, I'm I love totally my good. wife. Come on. That, okay, you can take that side and be like the steroids, all that stuff. And and in his defense. You can justify some of these things and be like, you know what? This is where he's at now. He did some time, some time, not a lot, but he did do some time. How long did he do? Three years, you okay. know, we think. I think he got out before people knew, and then they jumped on the story. Um, so the Tim Lambesis is stories. Like I said, that's what, when Metal Sucks walking away from that, they, people need to understand that's a, that's a big thing to click on. Yes. A, a, and it, I mean, the stories from when it first happened was huge. This right here is is big story. So that's why I, I really, really respect this that this this call it's crazy because they're actually sacrificing something in this world of internet don't understand exactly in this world of internet if you are not throwing more bullshit into the snowstorm yeah you know what i mean you are hurting yourself even even if again even if everyone else is doing it and the odds of of them seeing your particular take on it well, I mean, Metal Sucks is an established website, but yeah. I'm just saying, though, it's like it's a different animal, though. You know, I mean, it's like you're, you're, you're throwing shit out there. They're actually taking the hit so they can give this band the middle finger. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And so so you can justify some of these things. He did his time. I've heard people say, oh, well, you never thought about killing your wife. And it's just nonsense. Right. To me, it's nonsense to them. It, it's their perspective. And that's how they feel. So they want to support the band because they put out great records. Um, and then the excuse of, well, Tim's not the only guy in the band. There's four other mouths to feed. There's four other guys that created this band um, for a long time. So that's that side. Obviously, you know, I tried to understand that perspective and move from that side. The second, if you pick a side, and that's what we're kind of doing here, is to never support any of his projects because of his actions. And this is, again, Tim Lambesis. I'm not talking about the other guys quite yet. So that makes a lot of sense because... If you support As I Lay Dying with Tim Lambesis in it or any project he does, the precedence you're setting is someone saying, well, if Tim Lambesis can still have a Korean medal, why can't I? Oh, but you went to jail for, you know, being a pederast. Well, Tim Lambesis almost killed his wife. What's worse? Yeah, so that precedence being set kind of opens the door for us as a metal community to, you know, pretty much welcome any kind of criminals and forgive them because they're great with their exactly risk. like we murder to- is not acceptable in metal it's okay in hip-hop not in metal <laughs> which which is kind of true but like it's- for example the inquisition situation that earlier this year happened where you know you found out this guy had child porn on his computer and stuff like that are we just going to forgive that three years from now and and every post when he puts out a new song be like this is the best stuff ever i'm so glad you're back or are we going to be like Fuck no. you. Yeah. yeah. You're no, done. No, no. Yeah. We, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's enough bands in this universe that we don't have to support this kind of person. So the precedent set, that's what scares me more. Oh, you know? you're talking about moving forward? Moving yeah, forward. exactly. So, yeah. There's so many things that are going, especially in the world in general. Mm, you know world. what I mean? Like just in the world in general where it's like looking forward because of the, the decisions that we have made as a nation and things that we have forgiven mm. as a nation – you know, and things that we just look past. It's there. There's such a scary building block that we're going down. And this is, this falls like, this falls right along those lines. It's like, well, you got people out there that are go, okay, he served this time. Do you know how hard it is to serve three years in prison? And I guarantee you that's hard. There's no, 
there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like part of me wants to be like, okay, he was obviously roided out. It was messing with his head. And, you know, love is a crazy thing. I mean, it'll make you think or do some dumb shit, you know. But at the, at the other end, how many of us have actually taken it a step further? This isn't like a roid rage where he was just having a momentary lapse of reason. He actually thought this out, sought out someone, and paid them money to have his wife killed. I mean, this is, this is premeditated. Yeah, but, but let, me, let me reiterate. I don't, I don't think Tim Lambesis needs to be in jail the rest of his life. I think that if he did his time— I'm not talking about things, being in the rest of his life. I'm talking his, about the fans not looking—I'm talk, talking about as a fan, you look back at it, and you're like, did he pay for his crimes? Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I well, mean, who am I to say that? But I'm not going to listen to the guy's music music anymore that's what i'm trying to say he, his second or chance, buy it his second chance is is life yeah out of jail like so you have the first thing forgiven to him and supporting him which you know we're not about the second one read the article on the editorial it, it it does sum up a lot of our feelings as well that never supporting his projects because of his actions and the third one which is when you talk about the world what i always hear is staying neutral and in essence by staying neutral unfortunately that means you're okay with as I lay dying in a lot of people's minds. Do you disagree with that? Uh, I think if you're going to stay neutral in this situation, again, like if you're firing off, I don't think at this point in the world, I think everyone's opinion is, is killing us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think honestly, like the smart thing to do, granted, we have a podcast, so we we're, we're supposed to give our opinions. That's what the whole name of this game is. Mm -hmm. But if I were just a regular civilian and I didn't have any podcasts and have any kind of a show or whatever, I would just go, okay, whatever. I mean, I I probably would be like that. I'm like the guy served three years in prison. If these people want to go ahead and buy his music, whatever. I mean, when you're saying stay neutral, does that mean you're going to have – you picked a side in your brain? No, stay neutral and, can mean a lot of things. It means that you don't care either one way. Maybe you don't care about the band. Maybe you don't care about this. But by picking a side and doing something about it, that means we won't put up with this or we will put up with this. Like you see what I'm saying? By staying neutral, you're like hands in the air. Whatever happens, happens. Well, I don't care. This I'm is where away. the problem comes in, though. And this a lot is, of times with staying neutral, people feel that means you are in essence okay with it. Well, see, but again, though, but, at the, but you're not looking at it from the other end. What if you're this diehard fan mm-hmm. and you're looking at somebody who's staying neutral and you're like, oh, what? The guy served his time. What's enough enough? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and no, no, wanna, the neutral people get hit. That's what I'm saying. They yeah. get hit. They get, they, don't. they get hit. But at the same time, though, it's like I personally think it's the smartest thing to do is to not open your mouth. Just be like, whatever, man, because, look, I'm not going to sit there and and and. Because what it all comes down to when, when, you're, when you're saying pick a side, mm-hmm. when you are saying pick a side, you are ultimately you will end up attacking someone. You know, maybe it might be verbally, it might be over the Internet or what. I mean, God forbid it physically, but eventually it leads to that. When you're telling somebody to draw a line in the sand, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, if that person disagrees with you, they can be seen as an en- enemy. And especially when you're talking about forgiving someone who tried to have his wife killed, you know, that is pretty serious. This isn't, this isn't like, Hey, did, who did you vote for? Oh my God. I hated my choices, but I went with this. You know, this isn't like that. I mean, it's like, there are people that stands, but then again, though, you saw the people during the election where it was so polar opposite, where if you did say you were voting for this person, didn't even, didn't matter how reluctant you sounded. The other side was like, you are evil. And that's the problem. Like, that's what, I, that's what I'm afraid of happening is, is some of these fans being viewed as sinister and evil when, look, man, These are both, like, there's nobody evil in this situation. I, you're two, saying that. It's two different sides. You're no, saying that. You're a, saying level, that. you're a level-headed person. You, you're allowed to pick side one or side two or side three, which is be neutral. You're allowed to do that. And all your reasons are fine if that's your perspective. There's nothing evil here. There's nothing sinister. The only evil thing is 
what Tim attempted to do to you yeah. know, his, his ex-wife. Now, the only reason we're talking about this still, the only reason that Metal The Sucks, last time we do. The last time we do as well. We, we're going to honor exactly what the website says um, and not bring up Azalea Down again. But um, the only reason we're talking about this, I think the only reason everybody is talking about this is because of the other four members of the band. Yes. That's the only reason. If Tim Lambesis came back, oh yeah, if he just came back and new tried music to do his own and thing. had his own thing, I don't think it would have such a polarizing opinion. Because we, in essence, if they forgive him and and Azalea Dine reunites with the the core members that we all know, that makes it easier for the fans to forgive him. But it yes. also makes them align with him. But I will say this, okay, from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much more information that we don't know. This is not a cut. This is not a cut and dry. This is not a black or white situation. I every agree. every every court case is so detailed. It, 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 you know, the, the public opinion after a court case gets so skewed because of the limited information that we are fed. You get what I'm saying? It's it's without a shadow of a doubt he pled yeah. guilty that he tried to kill his wife. Yes, that that, that is that is right. black and white. Right, we can right. say that. However, his Years after that, nobody knows anything. And on top of that, he's also got to live with the memory of being in th- prison for three years. He's got to live with the memory of him actually losing his shit and trying to have his wife murdered. I mean, it's like the, we don't know he just lo- how much look. this is going on. But again, I don't think it was a smart move on the band. I think the band completely fucked up. If this doesn't work, and it won't, if this does not work, when this does Will not, it not work. Will it not, though? Will it not? Like I, I, from, from what you're seeing on the comments section, from what you're seeing... This will work. Okay, this is the comment section. You, you, you understand this is probably, these are, these are probably diehard fans of that band, okay, and they rush to defend their, their hero. Again, this is the internet. I understand that. People that actually comment, dude, it's probably point zero 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 one percent of the people that are actually that actually know that this band is probably getting back together. So if you feel it does fail, the reunion, you think that everybody's career is over. I think everyone's career is over. Because they sided with Exactly. So they're risking that. They're risking everything, dude. You they could have started out another band. They did. Look, dude, I'm just saying they could have started they they did try another band, but I'm just saying you could have at least pushed the envelope with that, tried to grow that. But instead, you decided to go back to what you knew and what was successful in the past. And unfortunately, that success comes with an extreme amount of baggage. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, that's something that we have to, that's something that, you know, if you were facing a similar situation, you would definitely have to, you know, make a, make a call. You know, I mean, it's like, do you, do you, it's always, look, it it goes back to the old saying, you got to do what's right over what's easy. Well, fuck, man. Sometimes doing the right thing is super fucking hard, man. And then when, when, and then to, to just bring up um, a point, when we talked to Isan and we brought up the Faust situation, him, you you know, drumming with Faust and he was, you know, went to jail for a hate crime. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that he stated. He's like, it's hard to explain a relationship with family. Because Faust is like family to him. Now, Tim is probably like family with all these guys. Like I said, me and you are like brothers. It's a different beast. It would so be hard. Are we, Yeah. Are we 
maybe not taking that into account. Well, no one else is, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if I found out that you tried to have, you know, your wife killed or something, I, dude, that would, that would fuck with me so bad because I never, I, I would never think that you were capable of doing something like that. And we've all had that. We've all had somebody that we were close to do something that we didn't think that they were capable of doing. And uh, Would you and, write me off for the rest of your life? Fuck, dude. That's what I'm saying. I mean, shit, dude, you've been, you've been my homie for, what, tw- going on 25 years. Years, 25, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, that's that, it would be so putting yourself in that position. It's like, God damn, like, you know, you're thinking about it. Like if I looked at you and said, oh, yeah, fuck you, bro. Like if I just did that, you'd be like, Ugh. I mean, that would hurt your feelings right there. If I just said that, like telling me, telling me just looking at you, Ronnie, like, oh, yeah, if you try and kill your wife, Pete, fuck you. I'm done. Forget it. You know, that's in, that's just an everyday. I think that's just human nature. But in a way, I betrayed you. In you did, way, in, yeah. In a way, I, I was fraudulent to you. But like I said, if you play that part of like devils, I'm doing devils out of here. If you play that part, it's like well, Pete had issues with steroids, yeah, 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 with, with yada, drugs, yada. with this and that. I and you build in an excuse, which Tim has. He has mm-hmm. that because he really legitimately went from my size to Arnold right. Schwarzenegger, you know, um, overnight. It seemed like so. With that, it might be easy for me to sell myself back to you and be like look i'm better now i'm clean and you see me healthy and you see, see me and happy that's, and that's the and one you thing see me like really truly feel guilty about losing my family well, and, and what and i was gonna do to that. someone that was a friend to the whole band right you and know? on top of that too this is something where uh you know we forgive people that have momentary lapse of uh sanity you know like this to me sounds closer and closer like an insanity play i mean if the guy was if the guy was on drugs and his head was all fucked up full of adrenaline or whatever the hell whatever that shit f- feeds into your veins yeah you know i mean it's like th- just to sit there and ex- ex- expect someone to just kind of make the right call and again this is so extreme the fact that he tried to ha- you know hire someone to kill his wife it's so extreme i'm sure no one thought that was possible but it ended up happening and but again as a band, like the fact, here's the thing. If I tried to do that to my wife and you and I were in a band, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even attempt to ask you because I know the kind of heat you would take. You get exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. That, that's, that's my thing. That is why the four guys, the other four guys, he should, what Tim, makes this so, yeah. such a, such a, a, a Lambisa should have started off his own, started, should have started up his very own secular band, called it something different. Out of respect for those, those guys, guys that he fucked exactly. over and everybody. And I completely agree with that. He, if he wants to continue music, go ahead, you know, but you need to leave this legacy and leave that black cloud over it. Exactly. Because what you're doing is that you are bearing everybody else that's associated with you and all that. So, this is the last time we will talk about Azale Dine as well because uh, Metal Sucks has uh, we're going to back them completely on this uh, on this call. So, um, anyways, guys, moving on before we get to the interview. This July, progressive metal band Redemption will release their seventh full-length Long Night's Journey into Day via Metal Blade Records with guest musicians Chris Polland and Simone Maloroni. This is the first album since the departure of vocalist Ray Adler and features the debut of Evergrey vocalist Tom England. Pre-order Long Night's Journey into Day now, guys, at metalblade.com slash redemption. Once again, I've heard this record. It's phenomenal, guys. Long Night's Journey into Day, metalblade.com slash redemption. And with that, we're jumping into our interview with Ben Ward of the Mighty Orange Goblin. Everybody, hey, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Ben Ward from Orange Goblin. We're here to talk about their new record, The Wolf Bites Back, which is out June 15th. Now, you guys have cemented over 20 years in the game, and the confidence of your sound uh, on The Wolf Bites Back is strong. 
Um, how is Orange Goblin's sound and identity to you at this stage in your career? I think it's just been a natural progression since day one. Um, obviously, that confidence that you sort of mentioned on this new record is born out of um, 23 years of doing this. Nine studio albums down now and um, 23 years of touring the planet. So I'd like to think that over the course of that career, we've improved as songwriters, as um, individual musicians. And we went into this album with a sort of sense of not frustration as such, but a kind of uh, a mission to kind of say, well, the reason that we're still going and the reason that we've achieved everything we've achieved is because we realize that we are a decent band. You know, we're by no means that. We think we're the greatest band of all time or even the best band in the world at the moment. But I think we're pretty good at what we do. And we just wanted to sort of um, try and capture that on record. I think in the past, we've always been more considered like a, a live band. And we've we've always had accolades and great responses to our live shows. But on record, it's always been a little bit sketchy. And that was, you know, in the early days, we was young and inexperienced. And, and these days, we feel that we've learned a lot and... I always compare it to like in any sort of uh, occupation, whether you're a bricklayer or something. If on the first day of the job, if you go to build a wall, it's not going to be the best wall in the world. But after 23 years, you should be pretty good at building a wall. So, you know, it's kind of applies to what we do as well. And after that amount of time, we went into the studio and we kind of knew what we wanted to do and we knew how to go about achieving that. Yeah, every in art form, just like you said, like physical labor, it's a craft. You know, you, you eventually get confident and better at it by making mistakes. I think that's with everything, right? You yeah, agree with anything? It's like, if we don't make mistakes, we're never, I don't think there's a natural at yeah. anything out there. Well, no, and I look back on our yeah. previous albums and you always think there's, there's little bits you could have done better here and there. And I know for a fact that, you know, in the past we should have taken things a little bit more seriously and treated it with more of a professional attitude. But, you know, when you're young and, um, you get given a load of money to go into a studio to, to make an album. You see it as more of a kind of holiday with your friends to have a few beers and get pissed up and don't really dedicate yourself to the job at hand. But this time we was determined to make sure everything was right. Hence the choice of recording studio, the choice of producer and everything about this album. We wanted it to be right. And I think that this record has, it has that signature sound that orange goblin has, but it, it like you were stating, it's got that live feel. It's got more of a, a punk rock energy almost, you know, uh, especially with tracks like uh, Suicide Division. And it's it's it makes it feel really immediate. Is Was that intentional? Yeah. Um, previous albums, we've kind of overdone it in the studio with guitar tracks and maybe over-egged the keyboards and things like that. And it's come to the point where, you know, we can't play those songs live. And this time we had a definite idea that we wanted to play every song on the record in a live environment. So we didn't overdo it, and we wanted it to be spontaneous. We left it till the last minute to even write the thing, really. We gave ourselves five months from from having absolutely nothing to you know, start recording. And we work better in, in those circumstances when we know we've got to get something done. Because nine times out of ten, you ask any artist or any musician, like the first idea you come up with is normally the best idea because it's what naturally flows out of you. And um, if you spend too long sort of tinkering with things, you kind of lose that original organic feel and uh, the spontaneity that, that rock and roll is about, really. And we um, we just 
didn't have a lot of precursor of how we wanted it to sound. We just we just knew that with this record, it was going to be a statement of us. You know, it was a kind of selfish record in in a way because we we went in there just saying that we're going to incorporate all of our inspirations and influences and you know, whereby in the past we might have been a little bit apprehensive to put something in because we didn't think it fit with the Orange Goblin ethos or something. And this time it was like, if it sounds good, it's going in. And um, I think the album, as you say, is a lot more sort of spontaneous for it. And it's it's got that sort of raw, energetic feel that we wanted. Now, in, in the past, like, because I'm, I'm the same way. I need a deadline. I need to be forced to focus and say i have to get this done i can't let people down yeah. i need other people to knowing i'm letting them down in order to a- accomplish it's a weird thought process but it's, if it's yeah. just up to me i have all the time in the world you're right you, yeah, lose. you don't get things done like that. yeah <laughs> you don't exactly and so which record in the past do you feel like you had too much time probably coup de grasse hmm. uh, was a bit kind of guilty that and maybe even healing through fire unity for the damned was the one that was born out of the longest sort of period between albums, but it weren't a case that we'd sort of tinkered with the material. Again, we'd left it to the last minute to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm of that sort of belief that, you know, I don't like the idea of being forced into a studio by a record label because you've got to fit into that whole sort of album cycle of like you record, you go out and tour the record, then you've got to write on the road and two years later you've got to record another record so you can keep doing that. Because I don't feel that you know, it's a, a natural way to do your best work. I think you have to let things evolve over amount of time and and let it come naturally. And um, I wouldn't want to sort of, you know, be in a position where we're just told that's your deadline. You've got to keep doing these albums year after year after year because at the end of the day, this is our legacy that's going to be left behind long after we're all dead and buried. And we want to be proud of what we did. And, um, yeah, there's, there's no real sort of set pattern to it. You can't put a time limit on it and... We've kind of that's one of the things that we've we've grown up realizing. It was only sort of middle of last year. The record label never really sort of put us under pressure to do it because you know the, in the four years since Back from the Abyss, we that record label got sold to Spine Farm and Universal, so there were a lot of contractual issues, which took up a lot of time. And they never put us under any pressure to sort of say, right, we need an album by then. The middle of last year, they just said, do you think it's time to start coming up with ideas? And we sort of said, yeah, maybe you're right. And um, we had a discussion as a band, Joe and Martin and Chris has all said, yeah, I'm starting getting the itch to start writing stuff. I've got a few ideas knocking about. So that's when we said, okay, let's set ourselves a deadline in the studio and get to work on it. And, you know, then you've heard the fruits of our labor. So. Excellent, man. So lyrically, lyric wise on this record, um, you did state that it was your most honest album you've written. Yeah. Uh, how did this approach make the songs different than you think previous records? I think there's more kind of resentment in the lyrics due to personal situations changing. Um, 2015, I kind of split up with uh, my ex after 15 years together. And um, when you go through something like that, it kind of makes you more determined to succeed. And I kind of tried to put some of that drive into the song, which, you know, kind of represents the whole idea behind the wolf bites back sort of things. You know, we're back stronger than ever kind of. And I weren't the only one in the band that went through changes. I mean, I'm in a better place now than I've ever been. But um, I just kind of, rather than throwing all of the uh, lyrics into like the fantasy pot, I wanted to deal with some issues that are kind of prevalent today and 
relevant to today, which is, you know, goes to the primitives and burn the ships. There's almost kind of like subliminal political kind of messages in there and stuff that I've never really touched upon, but wanted to sort of highlight because, you know, even though we're not a political band and neither were Black Sabbath, but Geezer Butler did it brilliantly with his lyrics and, you know, you listen to songs like War Pigs and um, After Forever and stuff like that. He's, he's, he's a genius lyricist and I wanted to just have an attempt at doing that. And, you know, when you turn on the television these days, we're surrounded by nothing but misery. It's just war and famine and terrorism and all this shit. And you're just like, you can't help but have that kind of bleed into your thought process. And when you're trying to create a record that's, you know, aggressive by nature, heavy metal's always been an aggressive form of music. It's a great way to vent that kind of frustration with the state of the world at the moment. And yeah, it was just, um, it was kind of cathartic for me to kind of, um, use the music as an outlet for that and get a few things off my chest. And now that's a, it's a, I think it's a great time for exactly that. I mean, people need to hear songs like you were mentioning. Yes. Um, and out here in America, like pop culture and tabloid celebrity has been much more successful than like the arts in general. Yeah. Now, is it, is it similar out there uh, where you're from? It is. It's, it's, you know, fame these days is so throwaway and people are more concerned with the idea of having five minutes of fame than you know than the reason of why they're famous they don't care if they're a laughing stock as long as they get that five minutes of fame whereas i'd much rather sort of keep my integrity and my dignity intact and shy away from that and do something that's worthwhile and is going to last a bit longer and have some sort of um long lasting effect same as like you know, the the bands that we grew up listening to, the likes of Sabbath and Zeppelin and Motorhead and that music is timeless and it's always gonna be there. But these days, you know, in an age of things like, you know, Britain or America's got talent or the X Factor and all this sort of shit, there's there's people who are just thrown into a cauldron of um celebrity and they don't know how to deal with it. They're clearly not, you know, ready for it or primed for it. They they've had no kind of they haven't been through hard times to to make them appreciate it and it's just yes yeah, it's, it's bullshit it's it's false it's it's not gonna it's not gonna last and it's it's um sadly it's a massive influence on you know the generation that are growing up watching that and listening to that and they're dictated to by television and radio telling them that that's good and they don't really have a brain of their own to think for themselves and find what is good artistic music and um it's a shame really Oh, I agree completely. And that's something in, in like England, right? The arts, it, whether it be music, film, theater, they're very prominent in your culture. You know, there's so yeah. much, um, like you said, timelessness. There's so much to a legacy um, yeah. that all those lessons somehow along the line, I don't know at what point, seems to have taken a step back, like you just mentioned, to um, the yeah. 15 minutes of fame. Now, do you feel... I mean, if it's ingrained culturally uh, at an early age, do you feel that um, people are rejecting legacies now and rejecting kind of what we were grown up to uh, know as art? And, you know, for I think they're just they're just not getting turned on to it or being introduced to it and think it's sort of something that belongs to a different age and not willing to sort of, as I say, think for themselves. They're being dictated to from an early age and being told what to listen to and convinced that that's good and what's 
you know, going to make them popular at high school or, or whatever. And it's, it's not the case. I mean, I always appreciate people that have the sort of um, strength of mind and, and strength of character to, to go against the grain and find something different some, and think for themselves. And um, sadly, that doesn't exist anymore because the risk of sort of being laughed at or ridiculed. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tragic state of affairs. I I feel I feel very similar to that. I, I always yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's an Australian comedian, and his name escapes me now, but he did a really great sketch about the state of things in Great Britain, and he he sort of highlighted the fact. He said, "This is the country that gave us the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Who, Pink Floyd, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and r- like reeled off this massive list of incredible artists that this tiny island has produced over the years." He said, "And now, what do you give us?" Fucking Simon Cowell and the X Factor. Yeah. He's like, where did it all go wrong, Britain? And we're like, Do you know what? You got a great point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when I see boxing, I see boxing at the O2 Arena get filled up, you know, and I'm yeah. like, this is just immaculate. Like from you know the Carl Frotch fight, you know, when he took out Groves, all all the way to yeah. what Joshua's doing right now. When I, when I'm watching that, and then I I look up the bands that are playing the O2 Arena. My, my, yeah. it sinks a little, you know, I'm like, it's, it's, it's nothing that, like you said, it's, it's something that can be sold easily to the masses and taken away. It's the 15 minute yeah. type of thing. I'm not saying everything at the arena, but, um, that's the majority. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm out here in Las Vegas and we have the same yeah. exact culture to a T, you know, anything yeah. that's on the billboard is something that is, um, easily sold, you know, to the masses and, yeah. and just basic stuff, you know? So, yeah. And it makes you wonder where where the next sort of where the big sort of arena fillers and festival headliners are going to come from because once you know ACDC are pretty much done now. When I made in the done and Metallica have gone and Ozzy's gone and Sabbath has gone and Guns and Roses have gone, who the fuck is going to headline these festivals? Because there's nobody given the opportunity or coming through that's you know able to sell that many tickets and put that many bums on seats because they're not given the opportunity or they're you know they're just not encouraged by the industry or the artists uh, the arts to you know fill those those spaces left by the bigger bands that are sadly dying out and you're completely right like and we're, and we're talking like the stadium bands because arenas yeah. they're, they're lower but the stadium bands you're right they're all legacy bands yeah i mean you only point. have to look across the, the yeah. majority of the european festivals this summer headliners are like judas priest aussie guns and roses Aerosmith it's all the old timers they're the only bands that can still fill those size venues and you know when they're gone like I say who the hell's going to do it because nobody's given been given that kind of opportunity or that exposure because you know people are too consumed with as you say the pop culture and mm. following what the fuck Kanye West or Kim Kardashian are up to this week who gives a fuck so they start you know go out there and find great metal bands and rock bands because they are out there Mm -hmm. they're just not being given an opportunity to grow yeah i mean the scariest part is when our 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 president's pop culture he was elected through pop culture you know out here and and, and like when you see that that's when it really like shakes your mind a little bit be like all right well that and i'll say this like you know he represents america not me and not a lot of us don't get me wrong but that's a fair representation of what's out here in a lot of these 50 states um, yeah. And I have to realize, you know, living in a city in a forward thinking place that that doesn't I don't represent in any way, shape or form the 50 states, you know, of, of America. Yeah. But when that can reach that level, 
you know, pop culture can reach, you know, the president level. Yeah, it's it's a scary thought of the arts and of the things that we find dear because Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, how do we turn that around? Cuz you look you look like you just said the older bands that can fill the stadiums. 90s had a couple bands that will be legacy bands, I'm sure, Tool, things like yeah. that, but like go to the 2000 era. You know, yeah. there's a couple rock bands out there, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm a huge yeah, I mean, fan. The, but, the likes of Linkin Park broke through and were possibly on the verge of being able to fill those kind of venues and yep. festival headlines. But then, you know, Chester's gone now, so that's the end of that. And the same with Chris Cornell's gone now. Obviously, Nirvana was gone. And they, these were the bands that had, had the opportunity. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots with Scott Wheeland, he's dead, so that's not going to happen. So, you know, where, where are they? There's, as you say, in the 90s, there were a few. The likes of Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam Frozen. kind of start, started getting to that stage where they potentially could have done it. Pearl Jam obviously probably still could, but Alice in Chains can't now. And it's, yeah, it's a real sad state of affairs, really, in that respect. And you think about that. That's, we're, we're going on, that's 30 years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and music has still gone through it, but no youth movement no band has captured a generation like they did during our times and nah. and uh i i still believe someone can you know i know a yeah. band like i i do like and i and i always wish the best for any of these bands even if i'm not fans of them the bring me the horizons the five figure death yeah. punches whatever but they are arena bands you know yeah they're not i don't i, I mean you know i don't know how you feel about this but i'm kind of I wonder sometimes whether it's because of um, the advances in technology that are available to these bands these days. Whereas we come from a generation where we didn't have, you know, social media. We didn't have things like Bandcamp and SoundCloud. We were in the tape trading stage. We had to go to fanzines and get like reviews. We had to go out to shows and hand out flyers and try and sell our demos and things like that. Whereas more hands-on and you learn to appreciate, you know, what, what it takes to actually sort of get anywhere in this industry. Whereas these days bands just, they've got the garage thing on their phones where they can record a sort of three track demo, post it up on the internet, book themselves a tour and they think that's it. They've made it and they kind of rest on their laurels. And, you know, some bands are worthy of that because they're genuinely good bands, but a lot of bands aren't good enough for that at this level. And they kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's too easy these days. You know, there's no real appreciation of what it took in the old days to actually make it and get yourself a record deal and, you know, physically sell records. I theorize exactly what you said. I also feel like the way that the fans intake the music, I say it all the time on the show, like to me, yeah, people want everything for nothing these days. Yeah. And it's, it's a cold way to take things though. It's like, it's not yeah. like, like warm. Like if I asked you right now, you know, Hey Ben, give me a story of when you went out and bought one of the most important records of your life. Tell me the whole story. You probably got one, right? Yeah, I remember sort of queuing outside our price to go and buy the latest Slayer album, and sort of running up to the counter and getting home with it and opening it up and uh, sort of absorbing all the lyrics and all the sort of credits on it and listening to the music intently. And that didn't come off my turntable for fucking months because it's, you know you had to work hard to get it and you appreciated having that physical sort of thing in your hand and the the way it made you feel it was exciting and the, the, that isn't there anymore 
Yeah. That that that's what I feel is such a, a sad loss because yeah, I, I got a story. So many records with that, you know. I remember. Yeah. Typo negative world coming down for me. Like I remember, I had a the store opened at midnight. I ran in there. Everybody was in line for Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. Everybody. It was like the same yeah. release day, right? And so I'm yeah. like the seventh person in line. I finally get the counter. They're like, they have the fragile ready for me. And I'm like, okay, I want typo negative world coming down. They're like, what? <laughs> they had to go in the back. I had to stand on the, on the side for like 20 minutes. They're like, oh yeah, we got a copy right here. Yeah. And then I took it home and I just lived with it and didn't sleep all night, you know, lyrics, <laughs> just like that. And, but I felt like I was part of a club, like, oh man, I got the typo negative the day of, you know, just like you were yeah. saying with the Slayer. And it's like, I feel like I know there's a lot of people out there just, same feelings all that right but now I mean, we, did, we did it's a band with, with orange goblin we queued up outside tower records in kensington in london for about four hours to be one of the first in line to go in and get a copy of chaos ad by sepultura mm. and the back there signing them i've still got that cassette signed by the whole band and i treasure that because it's a story behind it i actually you know stood in stood in line and and got my uh, my copy signed and everything and it means a lot a lot yeah, exactly and that's and that that's lost today because same thing we can yeah. go and we can go back and forth yeah i have all the original cassettes of, of the death records on the combat records from screen blood yeah. door on right two of them don't yeah. even work anymore they got eaten up i'm just they're they're on the shelf dude i'm not throwing them yeah. away <laughs> like, like yeah i see I've, i mean yeah. all the cassettes that I've, I've managed to find throughout my various moves and things i've still got some of them yeah and i treasure them like the, the trouble self-titled album and I made in live after death, it's yeah. like beaten up to fuck, and all the writing is faded off of the actual cassette. When you can't can't tell what sides what, but it's that having them is still really special. And then and 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 that is, but with that gone, you know, from the consumer, you know, from the fan, yeah. that that is what I think is irreplaceable. Like we can go like when you said KSAD, I remember letting someone borrow my CD and they never returned it, you know. And I was like, man, is that dude in high school that I wanted to like me that I thought was cool? I gave him that record and he never cared, and I, yeah. I had to go buy it again off BMG or whatever, you know. So I was like, we all have yeah. these stories of our collections and our records that they don't have that anymore, and that I think is something that no, it's like, no one's going to steal your download. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's and that's the same thing with movies though so the that's why yeah. pop culture i think has taken over yeah. because but it was even you know part of the as you mentioned you felt like part of a club mm -hmm. part of that club was getting together with your friends on a weekend and taking your albums to each other's house and sitting there listening to records and listening to cds and cassettes and and sort of like getting a buzz off it and introducing each other to new things that maybe you'd discovered and they hadn't heard yet and that sort of thing. And I don't think that kind of exists anymore. Mm -hmm. And that, that kills, that's, that's part of the, uh, it's a scene killer. Yeah, exactly. Killer. Part of the scene. That's part of the experience, yeah. the, the work, like, like I said, we yeah. would put in work to get our records, stand in line exactly. for four hours, that, you know, that goes back to what I was saying about those yeah. early days. It's how we got to sort of know the people that, we did, and there was, you know, the UK isn't a very big place, so we'd go out to shows to hand out our demos, and at the same time, you'd see people like Barney Greenway from Napalm Death there. That's how we got to meet Lee Dorian, mm. and like Jeff from Carcass, and Bill Steer from Carcass. Everybody within the UK scene, regardless of what genre they was from, whether it's doom or death metal or black metal, everybody sort of knew each other and kind of supported each other and helped out because we realised that we're a minority. 
And the only way that we're going to get anywhere is to show some unity and help each other out. And um, yeah, sadly, that's that's missing these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that to me is what's going to kill the the stadium bands alone, right there. Yeah, is is that's it, and, and everything that is. Um, I don't want to say manufactured, and and, and again, I, I just want to precursor with everybody out there. I, I don't listen to a lot of the popular stuff. I, I don't have time for it in my life. So it, some of that stuff yeah. can be great. I don't want to be like this is awful or that because I, I yeah really, I, agree. I, I mean even the bands I'm not massive fan of, a lot of them I can appreciate because I can see they have worked hard for it. It's just it's not particularly my cup of tea. But good luck to them. They're doing really well with it, and you know all power to them. It's just you know it's frustrating sometimes when you see bands that are utter shite and have just been cast into the spotlight for no real apparent reason yeah i think and then i look back sometimes and i think it maybe always had that approach is that just if that machine is behind it it's always been more popular but then like we were talking about the legacy all that stuff there's a lot of bands like i just brought up death that their legacy is so like you can't fuck with it it's unfuckable it's it's perfect right and uh it's a sad ending to the story and all but like when these records were coming out, you know, there was a small club that loved these death records. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, y- you can't express like you know. I don't think I don't know if Chuck ever saw or ever knew how important that band was later on in life. Yeah, you know? so but and, and that's, that legacy lives on with all these sort of young wave of like deathcore bands and that stuff now, and you know the Black Dahlia murders of this world. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, you can hear the sort of death influence in there. And, and the sort of the bands like Atheist and Cynic around that same time with that real technical sort of death metal. And yeah, it's, it, it lives on, but you know, the, the likes of death never really got the recognition that they deserve for, for what they did. Exactly. But I feel like they, they do now. I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they do now. I feel like when yeah, people talk, I, I, guess, I guess you're right. I mean, not, it doesn't sort of translate to album sales or anything like that, but they, yeah. they, they kind of getting the respect that they deserve. And they, you know, I saw the other day that it was like the anniversary of the death of Quarthon. And I remember when I used to listen to Bathory, hardly anybody knew about Bathory, but mm-hmm. nowadays the legacy of Bathory is, is huge and everybody cites them as an influence. And so it's, yeah, I kind of, it's a similar sort of thing. And that's another thing is that the business side of it, like you said, it doesn't translate to album sales. But I wonder in the scheme of things, I, I know al- album sales matter on, on every level. You know, that's why first week, all that stuff matters. You know, yeah. um, last time I saw you guys, you were out here with Down in Vegas. And yeah. um, I know that like if everybody goes out right now and picks up the new record, pre-orders it, that might get you guys out here to do a headline instead. Who knows? You know, yeah. but that all matters very much still in this industry. Yeah. But I always look back at those those pivotal bands that were first, you know, that did something new and their album sales never reflect, but their legacy will always have, you know, a That's strong right, yeah. impact. So you think about that in hindsight, you're like, ah, oh, I wonder what's more important. You know, <laughs> yeah. it'd be nice to have yeah. both. I mean, yeah. Go, go back. I mean, it, it was a case of bands used to tour to sell records, but now bands make records so they can, got something to tour mm-hmm. because you're making all your money from the live industry now it's it's it shows that pay pay the bills and and selling merchandise rather than sort of the other way around when it was kind of like the uh what's the word the main crux of being a band was to sell records now it's to do do shows and sell merchandise and keep on the road 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there apparently there was a time, and I, I don't remember this, but bands didn't have to tour, right? If they had a hit record, yeah, they, they yeah, were they were look at the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go, right? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they didn't have to do it at all. They they can put out a record every year without without yeah. issue, and um, yeah. I mean, imagine being in that meeting when you walk the Beatles walk into the record label and say, "Do you know what? We're not going to bother touring anymore." I'm like you fucking are. You need to sell records. It's like we're going to sell records anyway. <laughs> and be right. Yeah, there you go. There's conviction. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So back to the record. I just wanted to bring up real quick. Everybody, the Wolf Bites Back. It's coming out June fifteenth. So make sure you yeah. guys do pre-order your copy. But Phil Campbell from Motorhead, a band we just discussed a little while ago, he added some solos to your record. And he uh, did, yeah. When someone like Phil uh, sends you something like a solo, do you give him notes or you're just like, I'll take whatever I get? Yeah, it's kind of a bit like that. I mean, funny thing is, I mean, I work for Phil. I'm, I'm his booking agent here in Europe. Oh, nice. And so sort of obviously over the last few years when I've been working for him, we've developed a really good relationship. So when we was writing the album, I approached him and said, would you be up for doing something on a new Orange Goblin record? And Phil, in his typical sort of manner, was just like, as long as it doesn't sound like fucking Motorhead, I'll do it. <laughs> so, okay, so we, we sent him all the songs and said, you choose what you want to do. And he picked, uh, he did The Wolf Bites Back and Zeitgeist, which are two of the less sort of Motorhead sounding songs. He wanted, he said, like, you know, I want people to know there's a different side of my playing. He said, everyone knows what I've done in Motorhead for the last 35 years, but I like playing blues and I like playing, you know, different stuff, more laid back kind of Southern rock sort of things as well. So we were just happy to let him go. I mean, just, you don't, you don't tell people like Phil Campbell what to do. Exactly. You know, <laughs> get on with it. I mean, the, the tone and his solos on the record are fantastic. So. And his, his solo record, if people haven't picked it up, they came out, I want to say it was January. Um, it was yeah, really, yeah, it was really, I don't want to say surprising, but like the sound is just not what you expect. It is a really, really great record. You know, it's, yeah, it's just a really good straight ahead hard rock album. Yeah, exactly. It's not not particularly metal in any way. It's got a lot of variation, a lot of diversity, and um, yeah, he's got a band. I mean, three of the three of the other four band members are his actual sons. How cool is, is that? Yeah, hence the band name. And this this guy singing Neil Star, who's who's great, got a great voice and good at what he does, and it, it works for him. And you know, when I started working for him, he was like. I just need to stay on the road, Ben. Just keep booking me shows. He said, that's all I know how to do. He said, if I, if I end up sitting around at home, my wife will kill me and, or I'll kill her. Or, and he was like, you know, I've been in Motorhead for 35 years. All I know how to do is tour. And I, I love that sort of old school kind of approach that, you know, that's, that's his trade. That's all he knows how to do. And, you know, long, long may he reign. Yes. Dude, life is movement. I, I completely agree with that. If you, if I stop moving, if I, that's what the one thing people are like, Oh, I'm going to retire early. If I retire early, I die early. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. <laughs> you know, I don't care yeah. what it is. Just having I mean, a place to go to, you know, doing the press for this album. I've had so many journalists say, Orange Goblin have been going for 23 years now. What keeps you going? And they sound kind of sound surprised when you say, because we love doing it. You know, there's, we're not doing it for the financial gain because, you know, that, that ain't happened. But we, we do it because we love creating music together. We love making Orange Goblin songs because the reason we started the band in the first place because there wasn't an Orange Goblin. We don't really sort of get on each other's nerves too much. <laughs> we can tolerate each other. So, yeah, we still, we still love doing it. We get to fly all over the world, meet new people, experience new cultures. And we get free beer and whiskey everywhere we go and we get paid for doing it. So what's not to love? Dude, that's a dream. 
I actually asked, I asked Zach Wilde that question about because uh, Slayer was retiring. This is back in January. His response is like, oh, who, who quits? On the, it's the dream. Who quits on this? You know, it's like this, this yeah. is what I do. This is like, yeah, um, you know, I say the same thing. People are well, musicians that whinge about touring and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, go and get a job in an office or go and work on the sort of sweeping the streets or something you'll soon appreciate what you've got <laughs> exactly i think that if you tour for like 10 years strong like like phil was saying it's like if you go to an office it's gonna be like ptsd to go to an office job you're gonna go in there and anxiety's gonna hit you and you got nowhere to go and yeah. you're trapped and you have like you know you have to take lunch at a certain time i dude i don't think it's i don't even think you can do that i think it's yeah like, i mean i'm unfortunate i work in the metal uh industry so I, i'm a bit flexible with times you know I, I do work in an office but as I say, it's flexible, and I don't have that kind of uh, claustrophobia that a lot of regular jobs have. So, same here, man. Yeah, luckily I get to do what I need to do and when I want yeah. to do it. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it would be really tough for me to go back to that. But, anyways, uh, real quick, I just wanted to touch base, Ben, before I let you go. Um, yeah, you did, you did win a, a Metal Hammer Award for Defender of the Faith. Uh, and you guys did get to perform at the last Metal Hammer show. Is that correct, or is that two years ago? We did, yeah. Last I mean, one, yeah. A hell of a hell of a night. It was us, Clutch, Mastodon, Man. and Avatar, and uh, yeah, it was a great night. Now, when you when you get to you, you get a limited amount of time, you get the one or two songs. How long did you guys get to play, or how many songs? We did three songs. Three songs. It was like fifteen minute set. And uh, yeah, what is how does I mean how does that feel? Do you have to just jump right into it and be like, we have to just you do? Yeah, you got to go. You you just got to go straight off the bat. And to be fair, it was it was so great because you've only got that sort of short amount of time. It goes just like that. And after the three songs, we got a great response from the crowd. And we came off and was like, oh, shit, I want to do more. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's strange. It's, it's, it's like all the intensity of a regular gig but condensed into that 15 minutes. So you get a massive sort of adrenaline rush. And it was, it was an enjoyable experience. We've never done too much of that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it helped that we was with sort of Clutch, who we toured with in the past, and Mastodon, who have been buddies with us for years, and it was a real good sort of hangout backstage. And and uh, the last thing I want to touch on, man, is there's a lot of us out here that are talkers, a lot of us that are complainers. But when something uh, something bad happens, on occasion, a lot of us don't do something about it. You know, you did a yeah. great you did a great crowdfunding campaign for the 73 members of uh, at Team Rock when they were let go right before Christmas, right? Yeah. And um, how was that experience for you? It was a huge success. Um, and how did it, it, it just pan out from start to finish? I mean, it took me by surprise, really, the whole thing. Um, I, I considered what me and my fiance Sandy did to be just what anybody else would do for their friends in a time of need. And I'm sure that if we hadn't done it, someone else would have stepped up to the plate. Um, but it's the, the likes of Jerry Ewing and... Uh, Alex Minus and uh, Merlin Alderslade and all the people that were working the Team Rock at the time, they, they're they more than like friends of ours. They've supported us over the course of our career. They've always been there. And we do socialise together. We go to the pub together. We drink in the crowbar together. And, you know, like I say, they're more like friends than, you know, journalists. So when we found out that they all lost their jobs five days before Christmas, we just sort of instantly thought, let's do something to help them. Um and we set up this uh, Just Giving page with the intention of raising £20,000, which we thought was a bit optimistic. Um, within five days of it, it was over seventy-five grand. we have got the BBC were wanting to interview me, ITV in the UK. We'd got 
um, support from bands like Queen and Rush, Machine Head, Avenged Sevenfold, Iron Maiden, all sort of chipping in and tweeting about it. And it was just an amazing kind of show of solidarity within the hard rock and the heavy metal community that everybody realised that, you know, the media is a massive vehicle for every aspect of the music industry, whether you're a booking agent or a manager or a band yourselves, you need the printed press and the online press to, to sell your products. And, you know, I, I think everybody came together and thought, fuck, we're going to lose metal hammering. We're going to lose prog magazine. We're going to lose classic rock. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought, well, I can't get up in the morning and have a shit without having my magazine to read. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just a great sort of uh, coming together and outpouring of love, I guess, for for the the scene and the the music that we all uh, you know grew up with and appreciate. So it was it was just a real sense of pride for me to kind of be involved in it. And um, you know, apart from the fact that my phone didn't stop beeping constantly throughout the whole Christmas period, every sort of five seconds there was another donation, and my phone would buzz, and I was like, "For fuck's sake, I'm getting sick of this." <laughs> it, it, it was a it was a great thing and um you know it's the metal hammer awards again on monday evening and i'm fortunate they've asked me back again this year to present an award this year so uh, i'm looking forward to that dude awesome great story uh great talk everybody like i said make sure you get out there pick up the wolf bites back i've heard the record it's excellent um and so make sure you guys do pre-order your copy today. Um, Orange Goblin, when they're on tour, make sure you bring up that Chaos AD Sepultura tape. They all got one that's signed, correct? All you guys? Just, yeah. <laughs> just ask them. Be like, hey, man, what was that like? So you guys can get the same experience. Maybe they'll sign a copy of the record at the, at the booth for you guys. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> with, with that, hey, Ben, man, like I said, fantastic talk. I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks Thank podcast. you very much, Peter. All right. Thanks, dude. Pleasure.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock, Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest, Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. Uh, First song you heard, guys, is off uh, The Wolf Bites Back, the new Orange Goblin record. That is the title track. Second song you heard, guys, uh, I'm sure many of you guys know, uh, Ralph Santola, he passed away. Um, they took him off life support after he had a heart attack. Um, that is uh, the track he played with Iced Earth when he was in that band. That is a song called Declaration Day. Um, one, of the, one of the best songs I think Iced Earth has ever done or written, no matter um, when. And, and like I said, he, he performed with Iced Earth, with Deicide, with Obituary, Millennium. And then he did perform with Death, even though he never recorded on those records. Um, you can always see him in that Philosopher video on YouTube. So... Us here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, we really appreciate everything Ralph Santola has done, uh, and our hearts go out to his family. And like I said, you guys turn up some of those bands, some of those records that he performed on. Um, and with that, guys, I uh, want to thank you so much again for these wonderful iTunes reviews we keep seeing. I'm so and- happy, and I'm so happy none of you tried to kill your wife. I'm just mm. so, well, not not all of you, but the majority of you listening, thank you so much. I think, I think probably the majority. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> We're just speaking numbers here. So uh, anyways, uh, yeah, guys, until next week, Jocelyn will be back, and uh, we will talk to you guys then. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.